So, like, the, the interesting part about this question is that we know Oregon made it to the Final Four on the men's side. Yep. On the women's side, we don't know anything. Exactly. And I want to say that the better team would be the women's team. They had, what, three, three top eight picks? I mean, yeah, okay, that's, a, that's another good question. That's another really good question. Which team was just the better team overall? Because, I mean, you got Dylan Brooks, Chris Boucher, and Jordan Bell. And then right. Tyler Dorsey. I mean, these are all fringe NBA players. I mean, well, besides Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks would like to argue with you about that. Peyton yeah. Pritchard would like to argue with about that. Yeah, played freshman Peyton minutes. Pritchard. Yep, yep, played 20 um, minutes in that game. Dylan Ennis, oh, Flockpot favorite, Dylan Ennis. Right. But a fringe, like he plays in Israel. But okay, you're 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 talking about replacing Cavill Bigby Williams ten minutes. Chris fucking Boucher. Welcome to the Flock Pod. We are at hashtag 145 here at beautiful Chopper Base. The Avatarier producers are out there bugging Miga, doing who knows what. We've got the door closed. We are in business mode for this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Business mode. Do not disturb. If you'd please be so kind, please go find us on all of your major podcast streaming platforms. Smash that subscribe button. Give us those five-star ratings and leave a nice review. That would be wonderful. Also, please go find us on all of your major social media platforms at The Flock Pod. Make sure you're following along. Make sure you're retweeting. Make sure you're liking all that duck tent that we are putting out there for you beautiful people. I am at Coach Justin D on those same social media platforms. Shane, tell them where you are. You can find me at Bartender Shane 6 on Twitter and at Walk of Flock of Shane 6 on the old Instagram. Instagram. Nobody came and found me on Mastodon, so I think I'm gonna leave that one alone. Yeah, for a just while. yeah. I will see if you know if Twitter goes with the the complete downfall. I'll join you over there, and we'll get some more yeah. duct tape. We'll just along, but we'll we'll ride Twitter until you know it's it's a little <laughs> bit more of a sunken ship than it is right now. Yes, absolutely. And speaking of sunken ships, Shane, there is there's water coming over the edges. I mean, Kelly Graves is in like some 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 of those waders with like buckets trying to throw water off the boat. This women's basketball program is in rough shape. I mean, I don't think there's another kinder way to put it. Uh, definitely after this season, I mean, we talked about it last week. There were some things left up in the air, some questions to be answered. And then Tahina Pow came through with like a wrecking ball and just uh, really put a massive hole in that ship that is this Oregon's women's basketball program. I was just devastated. We all know, I mean, if you've been listening to the Flock Pod, my my adoration for Pow Pow and what I thought she could be for this program, you know, even coming in as a, as a freshman and coming in from as a high schooler, you know, I was really, really high on her. So it's, it's unfortunate to hear that she is transferring. Shane, what was your, what was your immediate reaction to this news? Yeah. Gut punch. Yeah. Um, absolute gut punch. And I mean, earlier that day, I had talking to our friend, Zach Neal, um, and I was talking with him over on the, the going long podcast. And we were kind of saying that like right before, like, do we feel like he's on the hot seat at all? Or Kelly Graves, uh, 
I'm referring to. And we're like, no, of course not. You know what I mean? It's, it's Kelly Graves. He's had so much success. Kind of feels like his seat's a little hot now. Uh, it was kind of like, yeah, it would just, it seemed, this is the first time that one piece has moved and I've kind of felt like, you know, something bigger is at play here. I mean, there hasn't been any shortage of players leaving over the past three years either. Well, and this marks that entire freshman class now is transferred. You know, I was, I just kind of came up with this, you know, you have like, you go to a bar and it's like, you jump on the bull ride, you know, that would be like if Kelly Graves seat was like on fire. Kelly, Kelly is sitting on one of those, you know, those little horses outside, like the grocery stores that used to go put uh-huh. like a quarter in or whatever. And it kind of like rock you back and forth. That's what Kelly's on right now. He's yeah. hanging out on one of those and he's getting rocked side to side, but probably still feels pretty comfortable in that seat, especially with a, a nice recruiting class coming in. But my goodness, I mean, this, this asks some questions. Um, you know, you guys said it on the going long pos- podcast yourselves, you know, where there's this much smoke, there is a fire to some degree. There is a, there is a problem within the program. And I think almost the bigger, and we can just kind of use this to kind of um, move on to our next topic, but, uh, Sedona Prince and India Rogers, both withdrawing their name from the WNBA draft and then both immediately entering the transfer portal. I mean, the pow pow thing was, was really big to me, obviously just, it's a massive blow, but Prince was, you know, coming back from the W and then putting into that, that was also a big blow, just realizing that she didn't even think, I mean, who knows, they might all still come back to Oregon. That is still a potentiality. We can't completely dismiss that. It's probably like a 3% chance or something of that nature. But wow, like what, what's going on here? What's going on behind the scenes? Is he not supporting his players? Do, I guess this is something that would be interesting. I haven't looked to see have, have they transferred to programs where, you know, females are the head coaches, you know, is that something that's happened on a regular, I haven't paid enough attention to that to really know, but Uh, is it just looking for another voice? You know, there's, there's a lot of things kind of at play here. So what did you think when you saw that the, the news with Rogers and Prince then kind of following the news of pow pow? Yeah, that, uh, well, you know, a- after the Tina Pow Pow news, I wasn't really surprised by much because that seemed like such a cornerstone of uh, the friendships within the team mm-hmm. that I once she once she transferred, I wasn't really going to be surprised if I saw anybody in the portal. Uh, I guess the most surprising would have been like Chance Gray or Grace Van Sluten just because of the success they had as freshmen in that program. And they are less attached to that uh, the older guard that is kind of has moved its way out. Um, yeah, to your point, I don't know about moving to, uh, female coaches because I mean, over the past three seasons, I got, I got the list here. Perfect. You want, you want to hear the yeah, players that hear. have left? Yeah. Break it down. Angela Dugalich, du- 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 uh, 80, as some would call her, Tina Pow Pow, Taylor Chavez, Jazz Shelley, Kylie Watson, Jenny Sai, Sydney Parrish, t- uh, Taylor Mikesell, and then Sedona Prince and, uh, India Rogers. Man, that's an elite eight final four roster just that team right yeah. there yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> and i i i was talking i mean we this discussion came up on the, the flock pod twitter account and people were like do we miss these players i'm like what do you mean like a- absolutely so i mean you could take two of those names say you add ad or sydney parish or kylie watson and you added them to this team or taylor mike Sell. you took two out of those four players any of them i'll give you any of them Mm-hmm. And I think that team makes the NCAA tournament and probably makes agree. it out of the first round. Completely agree. Yeah. Well, and you realize when you're putting a team together, it's like a puzzle. Not every piece is going to score 20. 
but they're they're still an important part of the puzzle. They're still doing little things because I, I kind of picked up on that chat, that conversation you guys were having after the fact, and people were just citing stats. And it's like some of the things like Taylor Chavez was never never a stat filler, but she did mm -hmm. all the little dirty things as a guard that was necessary. She played great on ball defense, you know, all these little things. Taylor Mikasell was probably the most you know statistically proficient there at Ohio yeah. State for sure. But I mean, just her shooting alone would have given this team so much more spacing and just another weapon, another weapon. Well, chain. Like, like Sydney Parrish, you're talking about like, she was like something like 8.5 rebounds in Indiana this year, who was, you know, in a, one of the elite programs, probably the best team, second best team coming out of the big 10. And, but I mean, erase the numbers. Say she doesn't even take a shot for the team, just the defense on the wing alone and being yeah. a top cap player in which they could have rolled out all these different lineups. She could have played. I mean, she could guard the four. She could guard the three in zone. She's a killer. And then she spreads the floor. If you, even if she doesn't, like I said, doesn't take a shot. If she just stands in the corner, you got to respect that shooter. Absolutely. And so many of those pick and rolls and everything have a little bit more of an opening in the middle. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, and then Kylie Watson, could you imagine the, the difference she would have made well, just when this team needed <laughs> that little bit of an edge, that little bit of physicality, those games when they got pushed around by Utah, you could have put her on the uh, uh, Pac-12 player of the year. Yeah, uh, I can't remember her pa name either. Pa Paley. Um, but I mean, that would have been the, the, the perfect player to at least, you know, slows down and make those games. And, and we're talking about games where Oregon lost by a couple points. Exactly. I mean, the losses they had in the regular season were by just the smallest the margins just yeah the, yeah the smallest margin so having any one of these players you know just winning four or five more games and we're talking about a completely different outcome at the end of the season well not to mention you're instilling a different level of belief in your program it's it's different when you roll out when you know you're only playing eight girls it's different when you look down the bench and you don't see you know another stud that's going to be able to come in and and you know do the things and trust and trust in that person the same way that you could have another player so it's it, it affects everything from the top down. So yeah, this is, we're, we're in definite, the seat is hot. We're watching this closely. How does he, how does he use the transfer portal? You know, what, what players is he able to pull? Is he able to, because I, this is a real, um, you know, teeter totter kind of moment for this program. Mm -hmm. It could really go one way or the other. I mean, I've seen some early season predictions where this team's in the, like eight or ninth in the pack 12, you know, predicted for next year. We'll see what happens. Lots, lots still to happen. The portal is a crazy place. It's, it's, it's called the portal for a reason. So we'll see. Do you have any, um, this is on the spot for sure. Any targets? Do you know of anybody that Oregon's going after right now? I haven't I seen haven't, anything. No, I haven't really looked at the the list too much. And, uh, since, since we've started doing this podcast, I realized something that the recruiting and the portal stuff and the looking up lists and the top, it's just, I don't think it's in our wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, we, we were given some advice when we started doing this and we boohooed it to let's talk about the kids when they get on campus. And I think that's kind of how we're going to stick to it. <laughs> I think that's the one piece of advice from that person that, yeah, that, we can, uh, yeah. kind of roll with. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, well, speaking of some of those new players that are here on campus, Shane, we got spring football, baby. We got spring football in the works. Uh, we have six newcomers uh, to these practices. We've got safety Taishim Johnson, quarterback Matt Rush, defensive back Solomon Davis, uh, safety Cody DeCambra, long snapper Colson Brunner, and linebacker Jerry Mixon. So these are just guys that have just come in either as transfers. Some of them have come out on walk-on transfers. Uh, Matt Rush is an interesting one. Uh, go check out uh, Zach Neal's piece on him over on DucksWire.USAToday.com if you want to learn a little bit more about Good him. Site. 
uh, great website. Uh, Tysheem Johnson seems to be the player that everybody's talking about, though, here for these first few days of practice. Shane, the, the safety coming over from Ole Miss, who's looking to fill that Bennett Williams type role. Um, definitely the biggest name on this list also. Uh, as you kind of follow the spring football you know, coverage, is there, is there anything you're really watching for? Are there specific storylines you're kind of intrigued by? Uh, what, is, what is your whole viewing experience here with the spring football going on? Uh, well, I mean, uh, just to go back to the article you referenced from Zach about that quarterback from Washington, the preferred walk-on or whatever mm-hmm. the his qualification was on the roster there, and how that kind of applies to your guy, Ty Thompson. Um, is worried. this a move to, to kind of light a fire under his ass a little bit? Could this be? Because, I mean, we all know QB1 this year is Bo Nix. He wasn't coming yeah. back if that wasn't the case. So this is purely a developmental story, I feel like. And just kind of seeing these uh, these new faces that are, you know, the potential future of this Oregon program at the quarterback position or, you know, whether or not they go out and find another uh, you know, transfer at some point. Who, who knows that may may well be the case for most big programs in college football but i think this is more so novasad can completely redshirt you know i think he's going to be kind of that break glass in case of emergency quarterback but it did raise just a couple you know because the portal is still a possibility you know players will still go through spring practice and realize there's not the the pathway that they want, you know, for, for their own personal success, or there's not an opportunity, or maybe they get approached by another university. I've seen a lot of that going on in basketball too. A lot of predatory practices, uh, programs going after players aren't even in the portal. So that'll be interesting to see if he gets Which some is, kind of an offer. It's just, it's got, it's gotta be something they change, man. Like, but we knew it's the wild wild. We knew this was going to yeah. happen. You knew it's free agency. It's free agency and nobody has a two year contract. Everybody's on a one year deal. Everybody's got to renew. Yeah, I mean, I understand. And if I was running one of these programs, I'd be doing the same thing because there isn't a way to, to stop it. But it's just it's so like when I hear these stories, it just seems so like so like you said, predatory. It's just like the these guys who, you know, it's like you get benched for one game and all of a sudden like vultures just come circling and like, you know, Khalil Ware was contacted before he put his name in the portal. Like, hey, man, Dana's kind of hard on you, man. You want to come <laughs> over here and catch some alley oops? Like, you know, we don't even run at practice. So, and then that's the other thing is they get fed all this shit. And then it's like, then you see him go. And then that's why we see players transfer a couple of times is they get fed all these lines because there is no accountability. You know what I mean? There's no, yep. these, th- these things aren't, uh, like there's no structure for any of it so they can kind of just do what they please say what they want it's been happening in high school basketball for the last 20 years and now it's just kind of completely filtered into college basketball which i find very very interesting aau culture baby yep absolutely absolutely um, let's touch on one, uh, one player that's not here on campus. Let's talk about a little recruiting information here, mainly just cause I like his name. Really, really cool name. Uh, 2024 quarterback target air Noland has included Oregon in his top seven. Uh, he's going to be announcing April 8th, the crystal balls. I'll have him looking at Ohio state right now, but just with a name like that, Nike air, how can, how can you not, you know, include that here in the rundown? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And she probably will go to Ohio State because they get all the quarterbacks. <laughs> More than likely. And then he'll transfer in two years yeah, to Florida State. And then he'll look Mike at Auburn. Him, yeah. And then he'll look at yeah, these other schools. 
Uh, let's quickly touch on some men's basketball transfer news, just because we do have some announcements that might be coming out here in the next week or so. Uh, Washington State guard TJ Bamba is going to be announcing his commitment on April 14th. And then give me give me strength here. Cario Oquendo will also be uh, making his transfer announcement. He's a six foot seven wing from Georgia, uh, who has included Oregon in his top four destinations, even though he had a list of about 30 schools that had reached out to contact him. So another couple targets uh, for Dana, who also needs to refill the cupboard over there. Um, Just a quick thought, you know, I watched the McDonald's All-American game. I watched some of the the Geico National Championships, uh, you know, with Mookie and all that kind of stuff playing. A little worried, Shane. I'm a little, little worried. I don't think Mookie and Kwame are going to be, or KJ, they might not be these impact freshmen that we want them to be. They might be guys that need to be, you know, seventh or eighth guys kind of coming off the bench. I saw I saw some flashes from Mookie uh, in that national championship game in particular, but he just he didn't quite look ready. So I'm, I'm going to be following that very closely. Uh, Jackson, uh, can never, never say his name. Jack, Jackson Shellstad. I'm leaving all of that in. I'm not cutting out any of it. it in the editing it's, process. it's hard to say the, the <laughs> Jack's son and then the yes. shell right after it. It's the sun shell. Yeah. Yep, it does make it tough. Uh, he's supposedly uh, blowing up in Nike Hoop Summit practices. A couple people, including Jonathan Gavoni, uh, going on Twitter and really singing his praises, even saying that he was the best player on the floor for one of the full mm. days of practice. So love to hear that. And I think I'm leaning more towards Shellstad being more of an impact player as a freshman than I am uh, more towards Mookie. Did you watch any of the the national championships, those Geico games? Uh, I watched a little bit of it with like the sound off. I was doing some other stuff. So I was kind of, <laughs> I was paying attention. I wanted to watch, I wanted to pay better attention to it than I did, but I wasn't really able to But yeah, just to, you know, piggyback on this, these like the, the high school rankings thing, man, like it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, like wrinkle to all of this because while you're in college the high school ranking still carries with you for whatever reason yep. because like people are talking about like oh khalil Ware is in the transfer portal he was a five-star at high school it's like yeah but we know what he is as a college player and he's a mm-hmm. one star potential point, shame you know what I mean? it's the mystery box well Give yeah me I mean, a but, boat <laughs> but it's just funny it's like so <laughs> so you're telling me that because he's a five-star when he was 17 or whatever like that now that i know i've seen him i've been in the, i've been in the gym with him on several occasions and i've seen what this guy is and mm-hmm. so you're still going to tell me once he hits the portal oh but he's a five-star i'm like a five-star what high school player let me tell you, let me tell you something else though shane coaches have egos and coaches think they can fix players and coaches see you know, that tantalizing talent. And they think, oh, it's kind of like, you know, well, this, this might be a little bit, but it, it's it's that girl that you know you shouldn't talk to, but you think you can fix. You know, it's that kind of a situation. Yeah. It's, it's definitely that. It's like these coaches, I mean, it's the talent. He's six foot nine, six foot ten, springy, can shoot the ball from the outside. Doesn't we just got to get him hard. into our program. We just got to get him into up. our. Yeah, you know, it's... It's all about the uh, the talent. You know, it's, it's it could even be a boat. It could even turn him <laughs> into a boat. Yeah, oh, but then the man. fact that Jackson Shellstead like is a four star and mm-hmm. he is if you, whoever you ask inside high school like national coverage high school basketball, they're like, oh, he's obviously one of the ten best players, yep. and he's a four star. 
well, that's that's partially Oregon. That's partially a size. You know, there's there's just there's certain things that some scouts aren't going to look past. You know, and some some uh, recruiting services aren't going to look past. So, all right, good good little. Uh, I liked that little sidetrack. That was a nice little one right there. Uh, it's springtime, Shane. And you know what that means. We've got action at PK Park. We've got action at Jane Saunders. Uh, definitely make it out there to uh, support these great Oregon Duck baseball and softball programs if you have an opportunity. Uh, Duck baseball in particular is on a massive hot streak right now, a 10-game winning streak, including a game against Arizona in which they were down 10 runs and actually came all the way back and beat them to include the sweep down there in the desert. They are currently 19 and seven overall six and three in conference big series with the Oregon state beavers starting tonight at PK park, 7 PM, 7 PM on Friday and Saturday, make it out there buy a hot dog, support this great team. Shane, have you touched in? Have you, uh, have you uh, kind of checked in with this Oregon duck baseball program at all? Uh, I haven't really, I haven't watched any of the games. I did hear about the, the comeback. What was that last weekend or whatever? Weekend, that 10 run yep. comeback. It was the same day that I think the Sox came back from like a seven run lead. It was like, oh, okay. Or uh, <laughs> from a seven run deficit. It was like happening simultaneously. I just saw people posting about it <clears throat> on Twitter. Apparently there's a lot of uh, Red Sox and Duck baseball fans who are in the same circles because that was, oh, that was really making the rounds. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't not know. Baseball a, not a correlation and, I would have expected, but okay. All right. Yeah. Me, <laughs> me either. Um, but no, it seems like <clears throat> there's a good amount of excitement around this team. Uh, it seems like they are, you know, catching some eyeballs around town and people, people are talking about them, which is always good. It'd be awesome if the platypus cup could become like a major springtime event here, as far as like on the diamond is concerned with Oregon state, of course, being the, the the one time that Oregon is the little brother program, I guess, is in yeah. baseball. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's a powerhouse program up there in Corvallis. They're having a little bit of a down year. Let me see here. Actually, do I have? Don't think well, yeah, because they have seven guys killing it in the pros right now. Yeah, dude, Adley and Quan in particular are just mm-hmm. absolute studs right now. Yeah, I don't, they're not ranked in the uh, top twenty-five. It looks like so. I think they're having a little bit of a down year. So this Good could year be an for opportunity. Clip those heels. Absolutely. Opportunity for the Ducks to take home that Platypus Cup and also continue as they are ranked 25th in the D1Baseball.com 20, top 25 polls. So just kind of sneaking in. What are they ranked point. in the other 12 polls? I don't know, Shane. And I don't <laughs> care. That was the one poll. I went to ESPN. That was the one poll that ESPN had. So where that's the one we're going off of. <laughs> And uh, speaking of 20 polls, let's talk, talk about some softball here also. Duck softball, 23 and 11 overall, 5 and 7 in conference. But we know that that conference record is always going to be skewed just because of the absolute depth and talent that the Pac 12 has in softball. Uh, Oregon taking a break from conference play, playing Lindenwood, actually, as we record right now here Thursday at about 2 30. And uh, they play them tomorrow also at Jane Saunders. So if you want to escape out there and again, grab yourself a hot dog and watch Oregon uh, women come up, I would imagine with a dub, Lindenwood, pretty small program. It's a little gross outside. Bring your rain jacket. (laughs) Throw one of those old school Oregon starter jackets on and get out there and go to the game. Uh, Softball having a very successful season, 16th in the ESPN.com USA Today top 25 poll. So hopefully they continue on. All right, Shane, this is the question I would really wanted to get to today. This is this has kind of been stirring in my brain a little bit. And again, we've talked a lot about 
Well, actually, we haven't talked a lot about it here on the podcast, but again, check in to that going long episode where Shane and Zach really break down kind of the, the Caitlin Clark, Sabrina UNESCO conversation. They talk a lot about the, uh, the, the just Caitlin Clark in general NCAA tournament. Uh, Zach does a nice monologue on the whole Angel Reese situation too. So definitely check that out for more duck quality content. But I've got a what if for you, Shane. We didn't get too far into the race war part. Just want to preface. Not, no, that, just so. you touched on it though. I mean, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an important just part of the conversation. It. Yeah, yeah. That, that whole situation. Yeah, man. Oh, man. All right. What is the bigger what if? So when I say bigger what if, I guess here let's phrase it differently. Which team wins the national championship that year without this happening? So we've got the 2020 Sabrina-led Oregon women's basketball team. That was a co-favorite with South Carolina going into that tournament. And that tournament got canceled due to COVID. And then we've got the 2017 Oregon men's basketball team where Chris Boucher got hurt in the Pac-12 tournament semifinals, if I remember correctly. And then the team went on to make the final four without him. So if that's that COVID season goes and if Chris Boucher is healthy, which team wins the national championship or which team is more likely to win the national championship? I'm trying to see what, what year was the, uh, um, Chris the Boucher, yeah. 2017. So that's Dylan Brooks. That's Jordan bell. Yeah, they, they lost to North Carolina in the semifinals, semifinal. I believe because Jordan bell forgot how to block out. And who won the national championship that year? North Carolina. Oh, okay. I think. Let me look. Let me let me double check that real quick. Because yeah, that's what I was trying to look up was the 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 four the other three teams that were in the final four. Or I guess the other two teams, um, because I think I would. Regardless, I. <laughs> it's a tough question. It <laughs> is tough. going back and forth. So did those four teams? Well, it was Oregon as well, a three seed, North Carolina as a one seed. And then it was South Carolina as a seven seed and Gonzaga as a one seed. That Gonzaga team was uh, Nigel Williams, Gross, Zach Collins, Killian oh. Tilly. Okay, it was uh, that Gonzaga team. Yeah, it was that. All so right. it was, I mean, it wasn't like a barn burner. I mean, it was a, yeah. they, they went 37 and one. The only loss they had that year was in the national championship game to North Carolina. Right, right. But they weren't. I feel like that was right when they're on the cusp of becoming like a real powerhouse because mm -hmm. they also weren't playing like a big uh, preseason schedule at that time either. Mm -hmm. So, like the the interesting part about this question is that we know Oregon made it to the Final Four on the men's side. Yeah, on the women's side, we don't know anything exactly. And I want to say that the better team would be the women's team. They had what three, three top eight picks. I mean, yeah, okay. That's a that's another good question. That's another really good question. Which team was just the better team overall? Because, I mean, you got Dylan Brooks, Chris Boucher, and Jordan Bell, and then right. Tyler Dorsey. I mean, these are all fringe NBA players. I mean, well, besides Dylan, Dylan Brooks. Brooks would like to argue with you about that. Peyton yeah. Pritchard would like to argue with about that. Yeah, played freshman Peyton minutes. Pritchard. Yep. Yeah, played 20 um, minutes in that game. Dylan Ennis. Oh, flock pod favorite Dylan Ennis. Right. But a fringe like he plays in Israel. But okay, you're 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 talking about replacing Cavill Bigby Williams 10 minutes with Chris fucking Boucher. 
Yeah. Who is not a fringe NBA player? I shouldn't have. He just he had a lot of injuries to start. Um, is that a long? Is that a good career for the Raptors? And they love him. Up yeah, there. he's had a pretty good career. He's always been on your fantasy team. Uh, yes, yes, he has. But I mean, again, you're looking at a team that played Jordan Bell 35 minutes, Dylan Brooks 33, Tyler Dorsey 38, Dylan Ennis 37. So you put Chris Boucher on that team and just display some of those minutes. Right, but I mean, you're saying that the, the women's team though had the number one overall pick the next season. Oh, I'm just kind of taking the other side because I know you take the female side. I, it's a, it's. A, I don't really have an answer to be frank. I think yeah, both teams I don't know because are the best teams that either program has ever had. Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. I think that's that's um, an argument that we can easily agree on. But I, I don't think I don't think we can really come to a consensus here because I honestly don't know. Um, I still I mean, haven't the, made my mind up. Like if if the question is like the bigger disappointment. It's it's got to be like the women's side just because it was like the game was never even played. You know, yeah, COVID ripped the opportunity away. Yeah, absolutely. right. And and like I talked about with Zach, like we never got the closure on the season because I'm not one of those people, and I'm always been one to really push back on the idea that like we can just go ahead and pencil Oregon in as the national champions. Like, was like there was there was good, good teams. Team. <laughs> Notre Dame was still really good that year. I mean, there oh, was yeah. right. Like there was really, really good teams that they were going to have to get through. Like Tennessee was still getting a lot of big time recruits. UConn yep. was still really good. Um, so that's where for me, for the original question, that's the, that's the part that puts it over the brink. Because I think if Chris Boucher is on that team, we saw what they were able to do without Chris Boucher. So I think that men's team is more likely to win the whole thing, but only because like you just mentioned, we literally got to see it. We got to see right. that team come together and make the final four and literally lose to the eventual national champion by one point because of just one block out, just, just one but stupid I, block out. But I also feel like Oregon would have Oregon women's basketball would have had to have an epic, epic, epic failure to not make the final four that year. True. So then we're talking about getting kind of to the same spot because they wouldn't have really, they wouldn't have got to one of those big programs until at least the elite eight. So, I mean, like, I guess I should have said elite eight instead of final four. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's the, cause like the injury one, I feel like, you know, shit happens. Guys do get hurt. That's why you play with more than five guys on a team, right? The women's one, it's just, you know, unforeseen circumstances of the world ending for yeah. 16 months or whatever <laughs> it was. Man, at least in a sports world, that men's team was 33 and six. Gosh, I forgot how good they were. You know, what other team we could throw into the mix here if we want to talk about, you know, teams getting kind of their hearts ripped out was also that 2020 Oregon softball team. Remember, they were like poised for like a run there. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was like the softball. That's interesting because though, yeah, the two women's programs where you can really say this what if game, it was, it's COVID related. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the two men's, I mean, cause I would, I would include the Dennis Dixon injury here. If we're talking for football, you know, what team had the best chance to really win the national title and was robbed of that. So then you're looking more at injuries in that kind of a situation. So that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of interesting. Cause also, uh, I mean, the women's side of it, they, Sabrina could have turned her ankle in the second. You round. never know. I mean, and we're talking about a whole different thing. So like the, the Chris Boucher injury doesn't, you know, it's not mutually exclusive, just that men's side. We could have seen or Satu or Ruthie or you never know. Yeah. If either one of them got hurt, we're talking about, are they the favorite still? Mm -hmm. It's very, very true. Very, very true. All right. I like it. Good conversation. What is your last take of the day? So we started today talking about 
the current state of this women's basketball team. And, you know, we kind of analyzed you know, what, how we feel about what's going on with the team. I have a theory here. I already floated this yes. by you. Um, I was wondering when, when Kelly this. let Mark Campbell go, did he dig his own grave? He's a little alliteration there. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you can use that for an article if you want. Um, and now that he's gotten a head coaching job at Texas Christian University, TCU, Mignon Moore is joining him over there. It seems like he's bringing a, a lot of, we'll see, Niara Sabli probably can't do college coaching this year. I'm assuming she's going to take professional basketball as the uh, her main priority. But is there going to be where he's going to just grab everything, every known player that he has, which are three very notable former ducks who are in the transfer portal and take them over to TCU and have build in a little bit of a, a win. Now show, show the big 12 in this new school that he, what he did at Sacramento state wasn't a flash in a pan two seasons. That it isn't a big fish, small pond situation. And he can bring players who are ready to win at this time next season, which if you're India Rogers pulling herself out of the draft, we are talking about it. Like she, I mean, maybe she got some news that it was going to be the second round, but we were talking about French first, second round draft pick. Sedona Prince, I mean, injury thing. We don't really know anything about it, but then Tina Pow Pow has been an all pac 12 performer. Are these three players potentially going to go and join Mark, Mark Campbell over there and help him essentially kind of rise to what could be one of the biggest up and coming names uh, with the trajectory that he's on right now, taking Sacramento state to its first ever uh, March madness birth in school history in his second season, and then finding a power five program in his third head coaching season. Now it's, it's something to keep an eye on over there. Well, and you know, I've talked about it a lot, the value of assistant coaches and what assistant coaches mean to your program and every head coach, wants their assistant coaches to be successful, you know, and eventually, you know, get their own head coach, head coaching opportunity. You hope that it's on good terms. You know, you hope that that coach, you know, may even consider coming back and, you know, being your heir apparent, you know, someday, but uh, it doesn't always happen that, that way. And sometimes, yeah, coaches need to, need to, need to fly, need to fly free. So it'll be interesting. It'll be very, very curious to see what happens there in the transfer portal. And I'm, I'm not discounting your theory whatsoever. It's a, it's a very, very interesting theory and it could, uh, I mean, we'll know, we'll find out here in the next, next few weeks for sure. All I right. Mean, he, he kind of was the, the architect for yeah. what this women's basketball program is to this day. And I kind of wonder sometimes if, if there was supposed to be kind of a deal where he was supposed to kind of move up. I mean, he was associate head coach. He had about the highest position he could get here, yep. but to kind of just like go and take that sex state job, I thought was a little bit surprising. I thought he would take a, uh, a program with a little bit more prestige, but yeah, it makes me kind of wonder if, you know, when he, when he recruited that class, that Tina pow pow class, if he was like, look, Hey, I'm probably going to be the guy here pretty soon. Um, and then that being said, all of that encapsulated Mignon Moore, potentially the next Oregon head coach. Uh, be something that I personally would just like to see. Uh, I I kind of like that she's attached herself to this, you know, rocket that's going up the ranks in coaching. And she's learning. I mean, talk about drinking out of a fire hose. I mean, she's what, like 23 years old mm -hmm. or 25, something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and yeah, to already have that much experience and now her third season as a uh, assistant coach 
also making that move. I dig it. Not anytime super soon, but I I can see it. I could see it happening. I could definitely see it happening. He's developing enough of a coaching tree now where, you know, you could see some former players or some former coaches come back when he does decide, or if that seat gets hot, we'll see what happens. We've talked about it. Shane, you know, I'm not a huge gambling man, but you know, I dabble, I dabble here and there. And there's, there's one team in particular that I've become pretty invested in. Pretty invested in. I'm going to take a guess here. The WNBA season begins May 19th. And the largest bets I've ever placed on DraftKings both involve the New York Liberty. I've got the New York Liberty to win it. And I got Sabrina Unescu for the MVP. I got really nice odds on that. I think like plus 1100 or something like that. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm excited for this WNBA season. You know, it starts May 19th, 40 games for each team. Uh, all 12 teams going to be in action when the, the season tips off. Love to see that. But uh, I'm, I'm, I think this is the year that Sabrina is like, oh, okay, this Caitlin Clark stuff, this is cute. This is real cute. I mean, let me show you how the mother of ducklings does it because I, she's in that massive market. And you know, again, Let's not let's not focus on the race aspects here. But if a white female athlete starts blowing up in the city of New York, you know that's going to get massive national media coverage. Hundred percent. So, I just yeah, I'm I'm heavily invested, heavily invested. I'm I'm very very excited for this WNBA season. I think that that New York Liberty squad is an absolute juggernaut. And I think Sabrina is going to be the straw that stirs that drink, and she's going to go on and win that MVP award. I mean, she's definitely got herself positioned statistically with with that team now with Brianna Stewart and then uh, uh, John Coyle Jones, who, I mean, to, to get an offensive rebound on that team when you even have Sabrina Inesco as the point guard grab, snatching like six or seven a game, uh, rebounds are going to be tough to come by. The yeah, the aces, though, I mean, I've said it before, <laughs> it's a two team race. Yep. I've I've attached myself to Vegas. I won money on them last year. Oh, I love I put this. money on them again. I love uh, this. Because yes. they <laughs> added Candace Parker right before that Brianna Stewart move. And then I also have, uh, I believe I have a bet for the fourth year in a row here on my Dallas Your Wings. Dallas Wings, baby. <laughs> I just got to find where I, what odds I got. I think I'm it was get like. get you an Aces jersey. I think it was like plus 4,000 is what I got for the. Uh, that's good odds my yeah my liberty bet's not very good odds but it's the biggest bet that i've ever placed well yeah they're like weren't they like plus 120 or something like that or yeah it's not i mean it's pretty much even odds but i mean that's just yeah it's gonna be it's i feel like it's gonna come down to those two teams i just i always like what what my dallas wings was saw to and uh arike agubawale can put together down there and they're always just fun to watch so but i'm 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 glad that you got financially invested in the WNBA season so now we're a little bit more we, we have a little bit of a uh, inner flock fraud rivalry yeah, here. I like um, this. Yeah. Yeah. This is perfect. Uh, WNBA league pass for those who don't know is very affordable or has been very affordable in years prior. Uh, I don't know what they're going to have the price set at this year, but it is a smidge smidgen of a price of the, the NBA league pass. And if you support women's sports, like you say you do, then you would, you know, open up the wallet and, you know, throw a little bit of cash Absolutely. towards the league and then buy a, buy an orange hoodie while you're at it. Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah, I need to get one of those orange hoodies. That's still something lacking in my repertoire. But yeah, I got the Liberty at plus 160. Feel plus 160. Yeah, feel pretty good about mm-hmm. that. All right, Shane, we have reached the end. As always, 
Takeya Chicken, Takeya Mentis. We appreciate you. We love you. We out. Peace. Sorry.
Shout a little bit softer now. 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 Shout a little bit softer now.